We're at the STC Summit, and I am talking with Sarah O'Keefe about a survey that she did called the State of Structured Authoring in Technical Communication. And you also presented on this. So Sarah, t- tell us a little bit about this survey. What were you trying to find out? How many people responded and what were the conclusions? We did the survey in January and February of 2009. We had about 600 respondents and they came from all over. The vast majority of them came actually through the content wrangler who sent out an email for us. But we did get a number of responses from actually your blog, Tom, and from some of the stuff that we did uh, through our blog and our newsletter and various things like that. We asked people about their experiences with structured authoring. So are you using structure? How are you using it? What structure are you using? What tools are you using? And the answers were interesting. For starters, about 30% of the people that responded said they were already using structure. We had some were thinking about it, were working on it, were undecided kind of people. But only 16% of the overall responses were, no, we're not going to structure. Structure is bad. I don't want to do it. So... 84% are either already in structure, working on structure, thinking about structure, or there was a pretty decent sized contingent of undecided, about 20, 21% said, we don't know yet. But we did think it was enlightening that, you know, only 16% said, no way, no how, not going to do it. Uh, Of those who said, no way, no how, uh, over two thirds said, because it costs too much. What is the definition that you're using of structured authoring? The definition we used, which we actually put at the very beginning of the survey, was a workflow in which the software enforces the structure that you're using. So something that validates against a particular organization of your of your documentation or of your content. And the key phrase there is enforced, defined and enforced by the structure. So that was the definition we used. So... Uh, in that model, then, uh, I imagine DITA is like a huge um, trend that people would use to, to enforce that. So how, how many people are actually using DITA? After we asked the question of, are you using structure, yes or no, then we asked, what structure are you using? DITA was the clear overall winner among the people who have already implemented who are using structure, among the people who are looking at structure and thinking about it, and among the people who are going there in the future. Overall... Um, it's hard to say because the numbers were different, but basically somewhere around 35 to 40% of the past implementers are using DITA. About 60 to 65% of the present and future are saying, when we implement structure, we will use DITA. So what other findings do you, did you uh, discover here? Like what kind of obstacles do people face, for example, or, or other results? We asked people what was the biggest mistake that was made in your implementation. We didn't ask what was the biggest mistake you made. We thought that was impolite. But we asked about mistakes, and the clear uh, winner, loser, uh, was project management. People complained and complained and complained and complained about bad project management from their management, uh, lack of planning, insufficient analysis, just things that belong under project management. So there is a clear issue with management not doing a good job of planning and analyzing and doing the upfront work. Um, We found that, we asked about results. Were you successful? And the answer overall was yes. We asked, did you, you know, what were your goals? And then did you succeed at those goals was sort of the question we asked. 
And overall, we found that 80 to 90 percent of the implementations were reporting that, yes, we had success in reducing or in increasing our consistency, in reducing our costs, in doing all these things. And overall, the responses were significantly higher than the percentage of people that said that that was an issue. So, for example, 40 percent said localization costs was an issue for them. 60 percent then said we succeeded in reducing our localization costs. So there was always a higher number that said, yes, we achieved this goal than percentage that said that was a high priority kind of goal. So overall, people reported success. Um, The biggest factor that we found that can shift those numbers that can affect success was actually private customized training. So the people who reported that they had private training reported higher success in, for example, getting consistency and reuse and cost reduction. So you can, and we have a chart in the, in the report somewhere that shows that if you look at the overall percentage, so for example, 91% said, yes, we were successful in consistency, but if they had training, it was over 95%. Um, not a big shift, but you know, pretty significant when these numbers start to creep up like that. Uh, that said, uh, private training also correlated with change resistance because we asked about change resistance. Did you have turnover? Did you have hostility towards the implementation? Did you have people concerned about productivity and technologies? We had a couple of things that we tried to measure. And when you looked at those things and went back and then looked at, well, if they had training, then how was their change resistance number? Private training actually increased or correlated with increased turnover. Oh. oh. So, so people, people decided that they were just going to leave the company rather than um, have to go through the training? Um, perhaps. <laughs> we, we're not sure what, what's going on. We're not sure why it correlates. Uh, somebody suggested that perhaps it's because they see what they're in for and so they run away. Uh, others suggested that uh, you would not do private training unless you had a relatively larger implementation. You know, if you have two people, you're probably not going to do private training. But if you have two people and one of them thinks structure is a bad idea, you're not going to structure. So it might be that in a larger group of 20 or 30 or 50, that correlates with having private training, and that in turn correlates with having at least one or two people who don't want to do it. So I just want to ask the big question here about DITA. From just kind of your general sense, is everybody moving to DITA or is it way too early or is it just a, something that's never going to event, never going to totally take off? Our numbers indicate, well, we have to back up and ask the question of, is our sample biased? And I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. I have just no way of knowing. But we got a pretty decent number of people that participated. Of those people... Uh, the numbers that we have show that by 2010, a majority of the people that responded will be using structure. And of those, most will be in DITA. So I think it's fair to say that DITA is, is important and is really taking off. Did your survey have anything about the, the most common methods people are using to implement DITA? Are they using a specific, did, were there any tools or, or specifics, um, yeah, software that they were using? Uh, we asked about authoring tools. Uh, we did not ask about publishing tools or content migration or anything like that because the survey was already quite long. So we asked about authoring tools. The clear winners there were basically three tools, Arbortext, XMetal, and Structured Framemaker. Those were the big three. 
Uh, but when we looked deeper into the numbers, we saw some other stuff. For example, uh, oxygen did quite well among DITA implementers. It didn't do so well in general among all implementers, but when you only looked at the DITA people, oxygen did quite well. Um, Arbortext is did well in general, but if you look at market share, they did better in large groups, like groups of 50 or more, that kind of thing. They had a much higher average number of uh, users than something like FrameMaker. So if you look at market share from a per seat point of view, then what you're going to see is that actually the winner right now is XMetal. And I'm not saying this just because they have the booth next door to us. <laughs> but they came out at about 44% of per seat. Um, and then uh, FrameMaker got about 23%. Arbitex got 15%. And I think Oxygen got 18%. So those were sort of the biggest numbers that we saw. Is XMetal popular because it has an integrated runtime? You don't have to mess with the open toolkit, right? You can have that all generated from within. I'm not really sure, but it seems like that would make it easier. Or are people using the open toolkit? We did not ask why people chose the particular tool they asked, so I don't have any any data on that. My sense is that XMetal offers the best balance between providing validation support for the authors and also providing support for publishing and those kinds of things. We got a lot of complaints about tools, all tools. So somebody complained about every tool that was in the survey, so, but there wasn't really anything that jumped out at us that they complained a lot about a particular tool. It was just a lot of complaining. Um, now, as far as the Data Open Toolkit, we got many, 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 many complaints about the Open Toolkit and how hard it is to configure and just the nightmare that is making it work. And XMetal has some support for uh, customization that you do, can do from inside XMetal. But at the end of the day, if you need to customize or if you need to produce your output and get it exactly right, you're going to have to dive into the Open Toolkit. And people were not terribly happy about that. Is there anything else about the survey that, that you wanted to cover that we didn't talk about, or, or do we hit all the main points? The big surprise that we saw in the survey, actually in the tools section, was that about 7% of our respondents for future implementations said that they were looking at Flare. Now, Flare was not a checkbox option because at this point, it's not a structured authoring tool by our definition. But they have announced that they are going to add DITA support, and we got, you know, about 7% who said, when the DITA support in Flare is available, that is what I'm going to do. Which ties back to your previous question. There's clearly demand for something that hides the complexities of the open toolkit or makes it go away. And, uh, you know, the reality is that you cannot produce web-based help or web help, non-trademarked, out of the open toolkit. And people are looking for ways to do that. Flare gives them a potential avenue to publish nice tripane help. And it's clear that people are interested in finding other options.